but it really is something that they can look back on and say, you know what, at that time in my life, you know, I did see that there was a change in my life, that there was a new um, entering a new season, you know, where it's not quite I'm mom and dad's little boy, but now I'm, I'm becoming a man. Welcome to the Strategic Families Podcast, where we challenge your family to be rooted in God's Word, energized with gospel-centered purpose, and activated on mission for His kingdom. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Families Podcast. Great to be back with you again. I am thrilled that you're going to hear today from my brother-in-law, Dr. Pete Frank, who also happens to be an economist and the provost of Grove City College, which is an amazing school in Western Pennsylvania. And if you don't know what a provost is, you're not alone, but it's basically the chief academic officer of a school. So this is a really smart dude. But today, Pete's not going to get into economics or academics. He's going to talk about one of my favorite subjects on the planet, helping boys grow into men. Wow. I don't think there's ever been a time in our culture that's more important for us to talk about this than right now. Manhood as a concept really just seems to be under attack in our culture or seen as unnecessary or irrelevant. And I just love how Pete and his wife Amy stepped up with this amazing program called Gateway on the Journey to Manhood to provide clarity and purpose and energy to this idea of what it means to become a man. So this program is just awesome. I can say that from personal experience, and we're going to get into all of those details. And I would say if you're a mom listening to this podcast, don't think that this is irrelevant. It's totally relevant for you as well. I'm guessing that if you listen to this podcast You care just as much as your husband about your boy becoming a strong, responsible, caring, courageous man. So check it out and be thinking about your own son or other boys that you know who may benefit from this. It could be the start of something really cool in the life of both your son and your entire family. Just a friendly reminder before we get into the episode, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if this show has been a blessing to you, check out the show notes for a link to our Patreon page, which will help cover the cost of producing the podcast. All right, now on to the show. It is a privilege for me to introduce to you guys and to have on the show today a brother in the Lord and my brother-in-law, Pete Frank. Pete, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me here, Graham. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, it is just so great to have you on. I'm really glad we have this opportunity to talk about a subject that you and I are both really passionate about, and that is raising boys to become men. Specifically, we're going to dive into this amazing program that you and your wife, Amy, have developed called Gateway on the Journey to Manhood. And I'm really looking forward to talking through the details of that. And it's been such a tremendous blessing to us and so many other families. But first, before we get into all that, could you just Introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us about your family and what you do for a living. Sure. Thanks, Graham. My wife, as a previous uh, podcast guest, has given some details, but um, I'm married to Amy and we have five children, ages 21 to 12, and that's three boys and two girls. So I've been certainly blessed uh, in many ways with them. And I am an academic by vocation, and uh, I'm an economist. I've been a professor for a lot of years, and now I happen to be in administration, and I uh, have the privilege of serving as provost at my alma mater, which is Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania. 
you know, before we get into all this gateway stuff, can you talk to us about, you know, current exchange rates and, you know, other things like that? No, I'm just kidding. No, we're going to focus on, uh, we're going to focus on young men. And I'm so excited about this. Okay. We are definitely going to get into gateway and all of the awesome opportunities that it provides, but I want to start by just setting the stage here a little bit. And I think a lot of our listeners will identify with this. I, I don't know about you, but it's true of me, and I think it's true of a lot of other men, that when I was growing up, I never really had a clear idea of what a man is or should be. I never really knew when I became a man, which sounds kind of yeah. silly, but I think this is true of a lot of men. I, I just kind of yeah. slipped into manhood. You know, it's Looking back, it's kind of like, well, when did it happen? Was it when I turned 18 and could vote, or how about 21, or when I graduated college or got my first job, got married, first kid? You know, There's so many different ways you could define manhood. I think so many men grow up and we're just kind of like, well, I guess I'm a man now. And, you know, obviously I'm teeing you up here with this question, but I wonder if you could just talk about this problem and then why, you know, addressing this problem became such a passion of yours and Amy's. Yeah, it's a great question, Graham. And I think, yeah, I think about this question from a, a lot of different lenses. I mean, of course, you and I growing up, you know, where we saw manhood might have been in our community, uh, in our parents, of course, and, and our father, you know, if we had a father with us at home. But we didn't have, you know, we certainly had television and these images of manhood on television, but we didn't have as much of bombardment of definition of these ideas or pictures of these ideas. You know, there was the billboard with the Marlboro Man, and maybe we thought that was the right framework. The other thing that I had, and, and we can touch on this maybe even in, in future questions, but, you know, I had... Um, a long history in Boy Scouts. And that, in many ways at the time, was a pretty positive experience in my life. Um, and it wasn't solely focused on, you know, what does it mean to be a man, but it was a pretty significant emphasis. You know, there was a clear delineation of what um, scouting meant for both young boys and young girls. And it was pretty clear. And I think, you know, when I started to have children uh, with Amy, you know, she challenged me a lot in this area to think about, well, just like you said, Graham, what is your picture of manhood? Where did it come from? Because I didn't grow up, you know, focused on the Lord, uh, certainly went to church some, but didn't really take a lot of cues from my church experiences. This is, you know, how I shape my identity is through what's taught and, you know, what I, what I might hear in the scripture. And so we realized early on that, boy, there's a lot of confusion out there. And we are entering into this stage of raising this young person who our firstborn was a boy. And boy, I was just, you know, I felt ill-prepared for the task, I guess, to put it lightly. And um, I felt like there was so, many, so much confusion going on and it was increasing. It wasn't becoming more clear as I got older as a young parent, but much more muddy and much, you know, much more difficult for people to discern and wanted to make, make a change in how I raised my own children in putting some clear boundaries and definitions on these ideas. Yeah, that's awesome. Especially how Amy was a catalyst for a lot of this. Praise the Lord for our wives. Yeah, <laughs> I know for you sure. That. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, one thing that I've thought of as I was starting to get into gateway with our son, Titus, who's now 12, is that a lot of the conversations that we want to have as dads with our sons 
a lot of them will happen organically just as we're going through life. But one of the things that I love about Gateway is that it provides focus and clarity and purpose and intention behind a lot of those conversations. We're not just relying on, well, I hope I remember all the things that I want to teach my son. It's like, there's a curriculum, there is a program, there's a sort of a step-by-step way to do it. Okay. Now we're going to get into gateway. You know, as I mentioned, full disclosure, my son Titus, who's now 12, we went through gateway in 2020 and 2021 with six other amazing dads and sons. And it was just an incredible experience for us. So I'm not like an unbiased journalist here. I don't even pretend <laughs> to be unbiased. I love this program. And anybody who's listening, I want them to catch a vision for what this could look like for their sons who are around this age. Okay, let's start with a snapshot of the program. Sure. 30,000 foot view. What is it? Then secondly, why has it been so valuable for your family? And what kind of fruit have you seen from going through it? Yeah, sure. And, and I'll just say, Graham, as a preface to that question that you know, I had a, a, a very loving father growing up. And I think though, that one of the things that Amy saw early on as we began parenting is, you know, a lot of the positives that I learned from my father carried forward, but also, you know, my dad just, he and I weren't, didn't have that relationship where we talked about these types of things on a regular basis. And I think Amy saw that as maybe not necessarily a positive legacy from my childhood. And so, you know, she really challenged me, you know, let's develop a framework where you can have, just as you described, you can have conversations about what it means to be a man with your son, but you don't have to be all on your own on this. You know, you can use a structure and a community that maybe we can help create, maybe we can help form. And so that's really the impetus. You know, we started reading um, some books about how to raise boys, you know, and not every book, you, you know, you want to believe or follow every step, but pulled from, you know, really 10 to 15 different resources about what does it mean to raise a boy? And we, you know, so we read Raising a Modern Day Night and John Eldridge has written on this. There's an excellent author named Bob Schultz, who's written about boyhood and beyond. And so we gathered all these resources And then we said, let's put together a program that really focuses on developing character qualities within our boys that are biblically based, you know, straight from from the word. And then let's think through and, and work on what are the skills that boys should begin to learn now that are going to be really beneficial as men, you know, practical, very, very concrete, practical skills. And let's put this all together in a program where we can do it with other people, like you mentioned, in community, have some accountability, have some folks rally around us so that we're not kind of trying to raise our our boys on an island. You know, this is just one kind of program, one touch point, right, where we can focus very intentionally on raising boys to, to be men and dovetail what goes on maybe in churches or in other, you know, community contexts, you know, not saying that this is the only way, but this is just one of, of hopefully many ways in which our boys are growing up in a culture that maybe is very confusing and maybe is trying to define uh, who men are and what it means to be a man very differently than what we believe the Bible teaches. And so, you know, that's why this became just so important. And that was the impetus for developing this overall framework. Yeah, that is excellent. Many of our listeners will be familiar with other programs that are out there for boys that are great. 
I thought it would be good to just sort of distinguish Gateway a little bit. And you've already talked about the structure. What would you say is different about Gateway or what are some things that Gateway may offer to boys, young men that some of these other programs just aren't really designed to address? I mean, I love that this program was developed by you, an Eagle Scout. So, (laughs) and you know, Boy Scouts has so many great benefits, but Gateway is a little bit different. Can you just talk about those differences real quick? Yeah. And and I think the, the, one of the big things is to say that, you know, Boy Scouting today is just a lot different than it was when I was growing up. And that's really, you know, one of the things that also encouraged us to develop a program that it is just different. It's, it's more condensed than boy scouting, you know, at least as the way it's traditionally understood, which would span many years, but this is really a, a year intentional time for boys, you know, 12 to 14 or in that range to say, okay, this is one step in your journey to manhood, but we really want to market with a program that is, you know, first, all the character qualities that we want to focus on are straight from the word, you know, and we will talk in a minute. We uh, developed a framework out of a passage in second Peter. And then it also, I think one of the other key things is it's really involving boys and their dads, like throughout, there's no kind of just boys time, you know, really, it's really focused on boys and dads working together from the first meeting all the way through to the end. And then I think the other thing that, that maybe is a difference is, and we'll talk more about this, but we really try to mark this time with a beginning, with an end, and have clear, um, in some ways, uh, you know, a starting point and then a, a ceremony to complete the program that is very, very uh, well put together, involves the entire community. So the dads and boys go through the whole program together. But then at the end, we celebrate with moms and grandparents and friends. And I think that's a, another thing that is a big part of this program. Maybe it's more unique than some, but it's essential, I think, to make this program really work well and have the meaning and intention that we hope hope it will have. That's great. Now, I love the difference that you drew out between you know a program that can span years versus this, which is more concentrated. And I would say more of a commitment. I mean, I think it's pretty typical. It was true of me. I started on Boy Scouts and then, you know, got into sports and just kind of slipped off and never came back to it. I don't know how typical that is, but there was never really all that much of a commitment that I had Mm -hmm. to make. And with Gateway, at least the way we ran it here in the Charlotte area, it was definitely a, hey, are you committing to this or not? And if you are awesome, that means certain things, you know, there was a follow-up and accountability and, and that kind of thing. So let's talk about these character values that you mentioned. And I want to get into the life skills as well. So you mentioned Second Peter. You don't have to go through every one of them. I'm just going to read this passage real quick because I think it's so powerful. And I wonder if you could just sort of talk about them as a whole and why they're so important in the life of a man. So Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, into goodness knowledge, into knowledge self-control, into self-control perseverance, into perseverance godliness, into godliness mutual affection, into mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, 
They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that is so powerful. <laughs> that is so powerful. I love that you guys chose that passage. Can you talk about why you chose that passage and just, you know, talk about as many of those character values as you would like or summarize them, but why are they collectively so important for this program? Yeah, it is such a powerful passage. And I think, you know, it's first, obviously, this passage is speaking to all Christians, right? So we're not, you know, trying to make some claim that this, these character traits are only to be followed or sought after by young boys or men. But, you know, in our culture, it became clear as we were raising our, our son, who's now 21, and it's become, I think, even more clear today, you know, we think about the last five, eight years, that there's a couple really important linkages in this passage. And then those character traits or those uh, points that Peter is saying, you know, add these to your faith it's like, wow, we're seeing such a, um, you know, a dearth of these qualities in so much of our public discourse today. But the, the thing that I love so much about this passage is that, you know, it's clear that um, his divine power has given us all we need. And Peter makes it clear, though, it's through our knowledge of him who called us. And so he goes on as he lists these categories or these character qualities to say, if you possess these and if you seek these, it'll keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord. So he kind of he links that importance of knowing and doing these these qualities. And you know, as you said, I, I don't have time probably to dig deeply into each one of these, but Amy and I really felt as we established this program that if we can raise young boys that had a clear understanding of what it means to be virtuous and, and talk about, you know, what does that mean in our culture today? To, to live with you know, steadfastness or perseverance, to have self-control. I mean, what, what it seems like such a foreign idea you know, in, for many folks today. And then also to know those ideas of brotherly love, brotherly affection, and love in general, you know, and how to treat women and what does it mean to love different people, whether it's your parents or those around you. I mean, all those character qualities just felt like for us, boy, if we can just plant those seeds in our young men early on and continue again to foster them, to emphasize them, we're going to, you know, at least lay the foundation that we hope will carry on throughout their entire lives. Yeah. I mean, as, as you and I both know, Graham, today, I mean, we see so much in our discourse, in our schools, between folks, even in our churches, there's just not self-control there's not uh, any idea of how do we how do we love how do we disagree but do so in a way that maintains you know virtue it's just one of those things that is so needed and so we felt like this was just such a perfect foundational verse and set of verses to focus on with these young boys yeah and one of the things that i love about the program and i'm not sure if we've mentioned this yet but there's a book that goes through these things. And I love how you guys have tied these character values to real steps that these boys slash young men can take to think deeply about each of these character values and to see examples of it, whether it's in the media or someone that they already know and love. Sure. 
and to talk about it as a group. And in some cases to you know, actually go out and do something that would demonstrate this. So it's not just a, a list of character values and like, hey, this is important. Go work on it as just an abstraction. You guys really dove into what these can and should look like in the life of a man. And I just love that. By the way, I think I'm starting the sentence. One of the things I love about Gateway, I think I've started that several times already, and I'm probably going to do it several more times. This is so amazing. I'm just, I'm just full of joy over this program. It has just meant so much to our family. I can't help but talk that way. Okay. So we've talked about the character values. Love that. And I also love how you guys tie that with life skills so important in the life of a man. I mean, like you said, any person, but we're focused on men here. Can you talk about why you guys built life skills into the program and what some of those life skills are? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny, uh, you and I, I know if both in the situation where as you grow up, you get married, you buy your first home, all these things, you realize, boy, there's, there's a lot more to this kind of living thing than just, you know, going about your job on a day-to-day basis and how you spend your time from a hobby perspective. There's so many practical things that are so crucial for boys and, and eventually men to know. And so the skills that we mentioned or that we focus on in this in this program are those that somewhat a little bit come out of my experience with Boy Scouts, but also just felt like from my own experience, watching my dad growing up, watching my father-in-law, and then, you know, getting into my own life as a homeowner and as a, a husband, there was just so many things that it would be helpful to know, you know, basic car maintenance as, as one example to, um, you know, other skills related to how do you, you know, patch a hole in your drywall that eventually is going to happen because you're going to knock something into it thinking about some of these things can really help you maintain a a home that's stable, can maintain other uh, relationships in the community that, you know, offering some of this expertise is a real benefit. And so the, the other key thing, I guess we tried to do, Graham, is we tried to look into our community and look at the men that exist in our community, whether they're in our church or in our school or wherever, and say, what are those skills that those men have that maybe um, are really valuable? And so, for example, personal finance. You know, uh, we have a current program right now going on with my 12-year-old son. um, And one of the guys in the group, the boy and his dad is a uh, financial planner. And so he did a lesson just a few weeks ago to our group on just basic personal finance. I mean, and these are things that, you know, I'm embarrassed to admit I'm a college professor, but you can go through four years of college and know nothing about personal finance. You know, it's just amazing. And so, you know, we just felt like, you know, it's not that hard to incorporate some real basic skills to set, again, set a foundation that may springboard into, you know, lifelong learning or may the lear- maybe the learning will stop at that point, but at least it can expose these young boys to different things and different um, qualities that not only will help them build their character, but that will help them in very, very practical ways. And, uh, and I guess I said it, but just to emphasize that it was such a blessing to first start this program and reach into the community. Some of the older men that, you know, were empty nesters and that had so much talent and skills to offer, but they didn't really have those outlets anymore. And to say to them, Hey, can you help us? Can you teach our 
our boys what it means to change the oil or how to actually go through that process or um, like I said, personal finance or first aid and survival skills or some basic things that dovetail with what I learned in scouting, but really um, can help uh, young boys in ways that not always are foreseen initially. Man, that is so awesome. And I speak from personal experience on just the power of community that this program provides. Yeah, we brought in a couple of outside folks to help during our time. My father-in-law came and we did some house stuff together, which was fun. We had another guy who was a friend of one of the dads in the group. He taught our boys about car maintenance. So we put a truck up on one of the lifts and we got under he showed us all this stuff and it was just super cool. They learned so much. And, you know, as you know, the dads learn a lot too. This is not just like you sit back and let the boys learn. We all learned and it was sure. so cool and so powerful. And then there's the community aspect of the group itself. I don't think I really saw that coming. I really wanted this for Titus and for the other boys that were going through it. I didn't really see coming how powerful the community would be between us and our seven dads and seven sons, it was just so cool because one of the things, and I think you touched on this, for instance, I don't know anything about guns, hardly anything. I just haven't, I didn't grow up with them. I don't know much about safety with them. There were a couple of guys in our group that know a ton about it. And I love having the opportunity to look at my son and say, Hey, I don't know about this, but those guys do listen to them, learn from them. And these are guys that I trust and hopefully by God's grace, there's something that I could teach their sons. And so you build this community and it helps usher in these boys uh, slash young men into the community of manhood and teaches them things like, hey, you don't have to have everything figured out, right? You can rely on other men. There's a healthy sort of interdependence in a healthy community. For us, it was it was kind of a byproduct. I didn't do it for that reason, but I just, I love how powerful it was. So another thing that I wanted to cover with the program, because I love that you guys built this into it too, is the idea of a challenge coach. And this gets into accountability, which is so important in the life of you know any person and especially a young man to know that, hey, when you commit to something in life, you're going to be called to account for that thing. I wonder if you could just talk about that idea of a challenge coach and how you've implemented it and why it's been important in the program. Yeah, sure. So for your listeners briefly, Graham, just to say that the program is set up, we have a curriculum where you would um, get together with seven or eight or whatever number of boys and their dads on a you know monthly or maybe twice a month basis. And you would go through each meeting, one of those character qualities that we talked about from Second Peter. And then you'd also have either a dad or a member of the community talk to these, these young men about, um, like you said, gun safety or auto maintenance or finances. And in addition to that time, the boys are working outside of that on these skills. They're working on either practical skills or there's lessons, question and answers, verses to memorize related to the character qualities. And so a challenge coach comes in and it's not necessarily your own father, but it's another layer of accountability that comes in and says 
to each boy in the group, show me what you've done since the last time we've met. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they go through the lessons in the curriculum and the boys would recite a verse if, if that's part of the lesson to the uh, challenge coach or ask the challenge coach to sign off on other assignments. And again, this provides another layer of accountability in addition to your, your father who's at home, who's also encouraging you and hopefully working with you through the curriculum. Um, and there's a couple different iterations that we've gone through in terms of how we've used the challenge coach. Um, when I did this with my first son, we paired up each boy with another father in the group, but not his own father. And there was a layer of accountability there. In the current group I'm, I'm running here up in Pennsylvania, um, we have one dad who's designated as um, the challenge coach who he meets with the boys each week just for 10 or 15 minutes and asks them to, uh, if there's anything he could sign off on, who to, again, hold them accountable. And I hope it doesn't sound too much like, you know, classroom assignment school type stuff. I mean, you know, there's obviously not pressure, only the pressure I think that the boys internally have to really say, hey, I'm going to take this seriously. And that's how we try to frame the program, you know, that this is not not something that you should do because you feel burdened by it, but you should be excited about what we're trying to accomplish throughout this program. And we're going to hold you as accountable as you want to be on some level. But also we're going to push you, you know, we're, we're not going to all sit back and just kind of go along for the ride, but we're going to say, Hey, are you learning your verses? You know, how can we help you? How can we work together to make this a successful time? Right. So powerful for a young man to get a picture of what it looks like in the world to say, I've committed to something. And now someone is asking me about what I committed to. Yeah. I mean, what a huge life lesson. I mean, that is going to be useful for all of life. It doesn't have to be a guilt thing or a shame thing or anything like that, but it is holding up a mirror and saying, Hey, you wanted in on this program, right? Part of the program is memorizing this verse, right? Did you memorize the verse? And you know what is so cool is even if the answer is no, there's a value there. There's a lesson there. And if the answer is yes, I mean, that's great. They followed through on their commitment. If they didn't, hey, no shame, but that's a deal. You know, like if you get a little gut check there, eh, maybe that's a healthy thing. You know, next time, let's try to step it up. Accountability, so, so, so important. Okay, last big picture topic on Gateway. You know, I read this in Raising a Modern Day Knight, which I know you referred to as one of the things that you based the program on. This is by Robert Lewis. He goes into the power of ceremony. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, in that book, he talks about make it a big deal, make it something that the kids will remember. When we did it back in June of 2021, so powerful. I don't mm. think I realized how powerful it would be. We had dads up there laying hands on their sons, blessing them. We had, like you said, moms were there, siblings were there, grandparents were there. It was just a beautiful thing. It's something that I'll never forget. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about why you implemented that and why it's so powerful and why it's so important. Yeah, it's a great question. I think, Graham, you hit on it maybe a little bit earlier in our conversation where, you know, you grew up and, and a lot of us probably grew up and, you know, is there ever a time where, you know, okay, now I'm a man, you know, is that just kind of happened? Does it evolve? Is it really fluid? And on some level, there may be some truth to some components of that, but 
I think in, in my reading, you know, you mentioned Robert Lewis and, and there's a couple other great books on this, that rites of passage are really, really important for people as they transition. And, you know, the Jewish culture has this kind of well entrenched with like a bar mitzvah ceremony. Um, there's uh, similar cultural transitions. Um, I know for young women in a lot of Latin American cultures, there's, there's a similar ceremony. And what we felt like is we want to have this ceremony that creates a transition moment, you know, that these young boys are entering a new season of life. You're no longer a little child. You're not a full grown man at age 13 or 14, but this is a really important marker to say, you know, we trust you. We um, are putting uh, more responsibility on you. And with that responsibility comes, you know, some benefits and some privileges, but also it's weighty to some degree. And so the ceremony creates a little bit of that weightiness, but it's a very, very positive event. Like you said, I mean, we really want to celebrate what we've done the past year, where we've gone in terms of developing some of these character traits and these, these skills. But we also want to bless these young boys and say, pray over them and say, today marks a, an event that's a change. And it's not mystical. It's not one day you're a boy, the next day you're a man, as we've already said. But it really is something that they can look back on and say, you know what, at that time in my life, I did see the difference. You know, I did see that there was a change in my life, that there was a new um, entering a new season you know, where it's not quite on mom and dad's little boy, but now I'm, I'm becoming a man, you know, and that's a really, really important transition. And I think, you know, it shouldn't only be at, you know, 13 or 14, but I think that's a really crucial time that this should be marked in young boys' lives. And it's a really exciting and just powerful time that we've, we felt like um, not our, our original idea, certainly borrowed from a lot of resources, but have tried to really build it in in an intentional and powerful way. Wow. Pete, you're going to make me cry just thinking about it. It's so, so <laughs> powerful. I mean, when we did our ceremony, this was back in June, 2021, we made a big deal out of saying, we're not calling you a fully grown man. We didn't do that. But what we did say is, we're not going to call you boys anymore. We're going to call you young men. Mm -hmm. Like you said, that has meaning. That has value. You know, the word picture I have in my mind right now is on the timeline of a life of a man from boy to, you know, old age or however many years God gives us on this earth. We want this to be a hash mark. We want this mm -hmm. to be a moment that you would look back and be like, yeah, yeah, that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Back in June, 2021, I remember when I was in that room with my dad, who laid his hands on me and blessed me in the presence of a community. And there were other men who were doing the same thing with their sons. I mean, I, I don't even know how to put it into words. It was just, it was just such a beautiful thing. I just love the legacy that you guys have passed on. I'm just so grateful for what you've done in this curriculum and how you've passed it on to me. I know of another group that's going on down here in the Charlotte area. It's just awesome. And I would love for this thing to just kind of explode for anybody who listens to this episode and, and maybe is interested. We're going to put a bunch of details in the show notes. I'm going to put something up on the website for folks to be able to, to check out. So I'm thinking of a dad who might be listening to this or maybe a mom who's listening to this. And it's like, ah, yeah, I want to get my husband involved in this. Yeah. So uh, this is the how part of the interview. 
Can you give us a quick, and you already did this a little bit, but can you give us a quick snapshot? What ages are we talking about? What would be maybe even the first step for a dad to get started on this? Yeah, sure. I I think in all these answers, there's a little bit of fluidity, Graham, but I would say 12 to 14 is, is about the age range that's ideal for this. You know, certainly it could be based a little bit on the maturity level of the child, and uh, I think the the way that we've designed it is a group of probably six to seven dads and six to seven boys is ideal. Um, I have a group right now going on that's a little bit bigger because one of the dads has twin boys, which is really exciting to see you know them going through this together. But I think that the key is to reach out into your community. You know, if you have if your son has a friend who's you know same age and there may be an interest, talk to that dad. And then the way it worked for me in this current iteration, as I said, I'm going through this for the last time with my youngest son, Miles. And I talked to one of the first people that I became friends with. I've only been in this community two years up in Grove City, Pennsylvania. And he just got really excited about it. And then he talked to like two of his friends that I hadn't even met and they got really excited about it. And then I went to two of my neighbors that live actually right next door and three houses down. And they said, yeah, that sounds interesting. And so we met. And I think this is the key to meet with these folks, no pressure, no commitment meeting, lay out the program, but then say, hey, we need to commit. If you want to do this, the doors are wide open. But if you say yes, really commit to this. And then, as we said earlier, it's about an academic year, the way we've structured the program. We start our first meeting in mid-August and go through about mid-June. We've done it actually two different ways. Right now, we're doing a program that's meeting once a month for about three to three and a half hours that it's usually either a Friday evening or a Saturday afternoon or evening. The first time I did this program, we actually met twice a month, and we only met probably for about an hour and a half to two hours, but two different meetings. Sometimes with scheduling, that becomes a challenge. But you know, I think the commitment is key. I think you know, folks don't necessarily like to give always hard and fast commitments in our in our day. But we've said, you know, here's the schedule. Go home with your wife. Let's pick dates that work and then let's commit to them. Let's not plan any camping weekends or vacations or, you know, let's work around soccer games. And, you know, honestly, if you have to miss one event that your kids are doing, it's probably not the end of the world. I I think it's a good to even foster that within the culture of the group that let's make this more of a priority than even some other things that are good just for a season, for one, one year. That seems to work pretty well if, if you get folks excited and cast the vision. And, and I, that's what I love doing. And you know, like you said, you're going to give more details to your listeners, but I'm happy to talk about this with anybody who wants to reach out to me individually. And I know you feel the same way. Sure. Yeah. No, that's excellent. Yeah. Lots of different ways this could look. I love what you said about the commitment and working around it. And <laughs> my joke, well, it wasn't really a joke early on, was like, hey, don't commit to this until you have a wife-approved <laughs> commitment. Yeah. Go home, take this to your wife. And you know, I sort of cast the vision. Man, when you cast the vision, guys get on board. It's so exciting. You just got to make sure that this can meet reality. So go home, work this out with your wife, put it on the calendar, 
especially when we did the ceremony, the wives slash moms got to come. It was so cool that they got yeah. to see it and be a part of it. And man, it was like they caught the vision too. And I just, I, I love that about the program. So we will provide details on the website and in the show notes and allow people to contact you for further information if they want to get going on this. Just if I could cast the vision a little bit more right now, I want to give dads a picture of what this looks like. We did, like I said, we did the car maintenance thing. We did a camping weekend and did some fishing and mountain biking. It was so much fun. So much fun. We did home maintenance stuff. We did stuff like playing capture the flag at night. We did, you know, chopping wood, making a fire, just so many cool things. Oh, we had an entire day, like basically a full day where we went to one of our guys had some property and we did some shooting and Mm. we put Tannerite in a pumpkin and blew it up. And it was like all the dads just like turned into 12 year old boys. It was so exciting. So we loved it. There's so many different ways that you can make the program look. And I promise you any dad and son out there, if you make this commitment, you will never regret it. Investing in your son in that way is just going to be such a blessing for you and so many other people. Pete, thank you so much for your time you and Amy for the work that you have done on this program to bless us and so many other families. What a tremendous blessing. I hope that other people can catch the vision for this and get on board and do it for their families and their sons. I am convinced that this is part of building a legacy of men who honor the Lord and who will be responsible, productive men who love their wives well and contribute to their communities. Just so excited to share this with other people. So thank you so much. Thank you, Graham. It's been a great pleasure. I appreciate your time. Pete, you are a man among men. So thankful for you, brother, and what you and Amy have done with this program. And I love that you guys didn't just write it. You've actually lived it with your sons and have made such a kingdom impact for your own family and others like ours. Thank you so much. As I mentioned, there's a book that goes with the Gateway program, and you can find that link in our show notes, so check that out. How cool would it be if you got this going in your community for your sons? Trust me, if you do this, the impact will be huge, and you'll never regret it. Before we sign off today, I've got a little treat for those of you who have stuck around to the end of this episode. We're going to hear from some of these young men who have been through the program and one who is actually going through it right now. I asked them to give us a soundbite on Gateway, so you'll hear clips from Colson Frank, Jack Hagan, Strider Frank, Titus Clark, Sam Smart, and Miles Frank. I went through the Gateway program a couple years ago, and one of the things I really liked about it was that I got to learn practical things and virtues with friends and from people who I really looked up to. I loved Gateway because it was a chance to make friends with other Christian guys, and I think that some of the relationships that were made at Gateway will last our entire lives. As I reflect 10 years removed from the Gateway program, I realize that there are many life skills that most boys don't have formal instruction on, such as changing attire or skills with financial literacy. I love Gateway and all of its virtues and the hands-on learning skills. Gateway was such an influential force in my journey to becoming a godly man. Gateway has been a really fun and enjoyable experience for me because I got to learn a lot about what it means to be a godly young man and we read a lot of good books and did some fun activities with some friends and my dad and I really enjoyed it and I felt like I learned a lot about following God as a young man and we got to do a lot of cool things together and it was a really enjoyable experience and if I could do it again, I definitely would. As a proud participant in the Gateway program, I've learned that Gateway is simply a staircase. 
an elevator ride, if you will. It connects the first floor of boyhood to the second floor of manhood. Miles, he's got his own YouTube channel, which will probably not surprise you. Well, be sure to check out our next episode, an interview with Dr. Jennifer Thomas, who's going to teach us all about good apologies, such an important part of healthy relationships within our homes. So you won't want to miss that. Check us out on strategicfamilies.com. As always, we would love to hear from you on how you're building a strategic family that honors Christ and how you're helping your kids grow in courage and godliness. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.